0: So thankfulness is a topic that that most Christians have heard at least something about, and and yet we may not have thought long and hard about what might prompt us to thankfulness. I, I think we can consider how, although we can be thankful for seasons wherein we have extended periods of blessing, sometimes... Our greatest moments of joy can be found when God brings great things out of what seems like a hopeless situation. To so Psalm 30 is a song of thanksgiving. And in order to understand it, we need to climb inside whatever life situation, whatever emotions that would prompt David to write these words. So a superficial Reading of the Psalms shows that David's deep praise was not simply because of a life of continuous ease. Most prominent in that regard is the way that he uses words of, of stark contrast throughout Psalm 30s drawn up, brought down, anger, favor, prosperity, dismay. If the Psalms are given Uh, to us, at least in part, to teach us how the godly should respond to the full spectrum of things that occur in the Christian life, then Psalm 30 teaches us the proper place of praising God and the proper reasons for praise as well. And we think of that in terms of thankfulness. So the main point from Psalm 30 is that Although there are times of great darkness in the Christian life, God's grace will restore us and produce acts of worship in us. So, let me say that again. Although there are times of great darkness in the Christian life, God's grace will restore us and produce acts of worship in us. Now, the first thing, the first point I want to consider under that is from verses 1 to 3, and I want to think about David's praise. David's praise. So this psalm opens with three verses of, of very bold and very specific praises for God. These praises revolve around the theme of, of God's rescue. When David says in verse 1 that God has drawn him up, the, the metaphor is related to someone drawing up a a bucket of water from a well. So, while David was at the bottom of a well, somewhere we certainly don't want to be, overwhelmed and and crushed by the world, God drew him up from the bottom and gave victory to him. So then in verse 2, when David cried for help, God healed him. God brought David from the depths of Sheol, the, the grave, and restored him to life, verse 3. We we don't know what instance David had in mind when he wrote of this healing. And, and I'm not sure that he was referring to a, a one-time event. Rather, I, I think in the psalm, David was reflecting on his life with God in general, and it has led him to great praise. Yeah. You know, That point is important for us because it shows us that that even though David had had reached a point of of freedom and joy as he wrote this psalm, that was not always the case in David's life. After all, King Saul had hunted him. David would suffer tremendous anguish uh, through realizing how wicked and wretched his adultery with Bathsheba was and the consequence of the death of their first child. And yet, God gave him rest from his enemies and restored him as the godly king of Israel. Now, this applies to us in that we also have have not only daily ups and downs in the Christian life, but also very big ups and downs across the scope of our lives. It's not just daily. There are continuous highs and lows as we walk with the Lord. There will be times that our enemies are bigger than others and they stand tall against us. But... Looking back over the contours of our whole life, we can see how God has granted us victory, and we should be led to praise by that. So then, David's praise was that God had faithfully stood by him and upheld him through all the tumults of life, and now had even promised more good to him and to do good to his descendants forever as we think about the promise that God made to David in 2 Samuel 7. We can also make this same praise that God has stood faithfully by each of us through thick and thin, through high and low, and he will do good to all generations of our true family, the church. And so then, though, let's think about the next portion of this passage. Let's think about verses 4 and 5, and let's consider this as our second point, David's prompt. So, uh, in this psalm's second section, uh, David exhorts the rest of God's people to sing praises to God with him. uh, In that this song was written in praise to God to be sung as God fulfilled his promise to build the temple, we also can lift up this song as God fulfills his promises to us. Perhaps especially as he builds his temple, the church. Uh, True to the intent of this psalm, God still builds his temple through us, right? As he brings new believers to Christ each day. As we share the gospel with our friends and neighbors, as we try to distribute it through these videos, and more importantly, when we are able to gather, proclaim it in the pulpit. God still builds his temple, and we can praise him for that. You know, most astounding about this exhortation, this, this prompt that David gives to us, is the reason that David gives us to join him in praise, which is in Verse five. So so whereas verses one to three exemplify praise to God, verse four instructs us to join in like praise, and then verse five teaches us why we are to praise like that. That means that verse five is critical as it explains the reason why we are to lift our praises to God when we reflect on God's faithfulness through our lives. This verse says, For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. It can be uncomfortable to think of God being angry with us Yet David calls us to reflect on precisely that point. But for the purpose of our joy, as we give praise to God, it is certainly painful to deal with and, and to think about God's anger towards us. But, as David wrote in verse 11, God does turn our mourning into dancing. So we might apply this by thinking about Hebrews 12. So in verses 5 to 7, in that chapter, the author reflects upon Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12. And the author of Hebrews writes, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? So the author of Hebrews makes two points that reinforce what David says in Psalm 30. First, we... Must accept discipline from God because He disciplines those whom He loves. This comforts us in our times of trial and discomfort because God's fatherly discipline falls only on those whom He deeply cherishes and wants to fit continually more for His coming kingdom. Those who don't trust in Christ, don't receive discipline. They store up wrath for the last day. When we wonder why Christians struggle so much in in this world and the godless seem to prosper, this is exactly why. God will dispense their reward or maybe better, recompense in due time and it will come without mercy. We can praise God. We as God's people can praise God for our trials because it, it is actually an act of grace that he conforms us to of Christ. Now, second from Hebrews, the, the author wrote in verses 12 and 13, therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight the paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. In other words, when you realize that discipline has come into your life, do not get discouraged or despair. Look to God for healing. He accepts your repentance with joy and draws you up from the pit, not just to stand somewhere indifferent, but into his loving arms as your father and that is a reason to praise there are there are indeed times when life is very dark the world can be more than we alone can bear I don't think I have to illustrate that point we we all know it far too well, the the dark night of the soul is frightening and offers no relief to us. But just like the rosy fingers of dawn poke their way into the darkness to make morning, so God's grace can break your heart and heal you And warm you in your suffering. The night is darkest before the dawn. But this word in verse 5 about weeping. Where David says uh, tarry. Is meant to emphasize how short and fast these times will be. Weeping may tarry. It may be here, but it will be short. God's anger falls for the evening, but joy comes in the morning. David then prompts us to consider uh, how we might sing praises with him. And in the final section of this psalm, this he shows us how to pray. So in verses 6 to 12, let's consider David's prayer. So the second half of of this psalm is David's prayer in light of reflecting on God's restoration in his life. And the first part in verses 6 to 7 is a confession and sheds more wisdom on how God disciplines us. So David's statement here, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved, indicates his repentance about former arrogance. In a past season of blessing, David claimed that he would never be overcome. Da- David, though, has now repented of how he had not relied on God as God's discipline gives way to, to restoration. In verse 7, Right, there's some poetic language in, the, in these two verses, especially, and in verse 7, this mountain that, that God made strong is a metaphor for whatever obstacle God had used to discipline David in his pride. So, so through this mountain, God hid his face, and David became dismayed. That's not a foreign concept for us, is it? This mountain being the obstacle we can't overcome. Our trials are not pleasant foothills as we walk through them. But they are looming alps that would overcome and destroy us as we try to climb them. You would be the rare Christian if you could not think of a trial in your life that you thought Truly within you. We we all know the crushing weight of this world as it stands against us. And as people to whom God has granted repentance, we also know the terrible pain of working through our sin, of repenting of it, and even of even of facing its earthly results, consequences. And does sin not tear us apart? Even if there aren't permanent results, we all know, should know, the anguish of simply going to another person and admitting how we have deeply wronged them and asking them to forgive us. And these are mountains that God uses to bring us back to Him. It should strike you, however, right in in verse five, that God uh, that David said that this mountain stood against him because of God's favor, right? God sets these mountains in our lives. Because he favors us. He disciplines only those whom he loves. When we come to the other side of our mountains, we we realize that we have crossed it only by God's grace. And that he even set this mountain in our life for our good. This is the morning that God turns into dancing. And the trading of sackcloth. For gladness, for which David praises God in verse 11. So, David's prayer is one convinced of God's faithfulness and a prayer that has no hesitation in calling upon God for deliverance in the future as well. And so, as we look back on what we've thought about in this psalm, there are a few final points to to take with you. So, So, first, David's prayer is one convinced that God is glorified by our desperate need for him. It isn't to our shame as God's creatures, as God's people, that we constantly need him. But it's to God's glory. And so then let me urge you to pray frequently and Gladly bring your needs before God. Humble yourself in gratitude as as he provides for your life and humble yourself in repentance, needing salvation. So then second, right on the tail end of that, David was aware that this need for salvation is at the heart of his prayer. Right as as we see in in verses 8 to 10. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me, O my Helper. David pleads with God. He reasons with him. God, my life as I live, I can give you praise. But empty dust can't, so rescue me. David knew that his sin deserved death. And that God actually had every right to send him to the pit. But David also knows that God cherishes his own glory. And out of God's love, God has made David's salvation tied up with his own glory. The same is true for everyone who is united to Christ by faith. God, for his own glory, has chosen you. He has given you faith, and thereby uniting you, joining you to the Savior. He has sent his own Son to the cross and to the grave. That you deserved so that he could never leave you to rot in your own grave. Psalm 30 teaches us to worship because the God of the universe, out of his astounding grace and endless love, has made the forgiveness of your sins into a means to magnify his perfect name. We receive that grace that restoration to communion with God through the forgiveness of sins as we come to God through Christ, our one and only Savior. And as we look back on our lives and we think about the ups and downs through which we've come, we realize how being trapped in our sin was the ultimate low. And God has brought us through that to the ultimate high joined to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And for that, we should find infinite thankfulness. That is the ultimate ground to know that joy comes in the morning. Let's pray. Father God, we do know that there are great trials in our lives. Perhaps we know that, especially right now, In this season, uh, as we are trapped in our homes, struggling to know the future, Uh, many of us aren't able to get to work, Uh, many of us don't know what the future holds. God, we pray that if this is a dark night of the soul for someone of LCPC, that you would be close to them, that you would be coming alongside them to remind them that joy comes in the morning. You are the faithful God who will stand by your people. And we pray that you would come to our rescue even now and that you would do so so that it might prompt us to thankfulness. Help us to be a thankful people. Help us to reflect on the ways that you have been good to us in the past and help that to move us to thank you again now. We pray that you'd work us in us in these ways and we ask these things for the sake of Christ.